welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 62. Let us roll and roll right into Thanksgiving. Unbelievable. I am super excited. I have a great guest. I have a I have a couple of great guests on today. I have one guest who you guys will be super excited to to hear me talk fantasy football. And then I have kind of a special guest coming in uh, this week that I think you guys will really appreciate. Uh, so without further ado, let's let's get right let's get right on with it and uh, and 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 introduce my first guest. I just want to bring out the man, the myth, the legend. Jake Trowbridge. Jake Trowbridge can be found at on Twitter at Jake Trowbridge. Pretty simple and straightforward. He uh, he's a co-host of the Drinking and Fantasy uh, podcast, which I think is a great name. I do like drinking and I do like fantasy football, so that seems uh, awesome. He's also does some stuff for Harris Football. <laughs> name dropper. Welcome to the show, Jake. What's up? Thanks so much for having me here, Scott. I'm I'm excited to make my hopefully triumphant return after last year's podcast around the same time that uh, I got to hop on here. So I'm psyched, man. Yeah, we did the Thanksgiving show, and and I asked you all about Thanksgiving foods and shit like that, and how they're all terrible. And uh, you know, here's the here's the bonus of Thanksgiving for me, and and part of the reason I'm a little in shambles today and the, and, and, and I'm not as smooth as silk as I normally am. I am literally coming off a COVID bout. That's unbelievable, man. I did, I did get COVID. I don't really want to talk about it. It's not a big deal. I'm not looking for anything, but the, the, the best part about it is I won't be able to taste the shitty Thanksgiving foods that they serve up this. <laughs> You're nothing if not a silver line chaser. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's a great way to look at it. Absolutely, man. I mean, it, it is kind of bizarre uh, being a foodie, whatever the hell that is. You know, I like food and wine. Last time we talked about wine too, which was fun. Uh, I said I was going to get you into wine. I haven't really tried, so for for that reason, you may not have. But uh, I, I am going to try and get you into it this year. Maybe I'll actually do something like send you a dope bottle of wine and see how that goes. Maybe from my boys over at Herman Story and 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 uh, Paso Robles, California. That's the best wine on the planet, right there. But. Uh, no joke. The unpaid sponsorship, just the best shit out there. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. And uh, speaking uh, 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 of exciting, you're a Packers fan. Are you are you excited about this team? I mean, you can't be too much after after this uh, this loss to the Vikings. What what were your thoughts? Man, I thought I was going to come on here and have a nice time. Nope. We're going to have a good, affable engagement here. And instead, you come out of the gate swinging. Yep. I got uh, my my Packers. And it's been it's been tough to watch. Uh, you know, I'll put some of the blame here, which I don't know that a lot of Packers fans will, directly on that goddamn quarterback uh, who was stupid enough to allow himself to get uh, out for yes. a game uh, because of COVID and, yep. and not just because of that, of course, but because of the way that he handled it. And so not only did he miss a game that was winnable against Kansas City uh, because our defense played off the charts in that game. And if there was a respectable quarterback under center for us, we would be looking at another win. But yes. And also now he's dealing with the rust coming out of it. I heard there's some BS about a toe injury that I'm not really sold on with him in this last game against the Vikings. 
you know, that one, it was a letdown. Our defense didn't look very good. Rodgers kind of found his stride in the second half, at least. So that's something. But hey, we're still sitting pretty at the top of the division. I, I can't be that guy who's no. like, oh, the world's falling. We'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I am I assume you saw that game. I saw a good chunk of it. And, uh, you know, I loved uh, there was a throw. And of course, you know, I was in a COVID fog. So please take all this with a grain of salt. Uh, folks, this is a practice run. Hopefully, I'm back next week with the full fire. But uh, I, there was a there was a play uh, to Justin Jefferson that um, uh, Kirk Cousins made a throw that was like pretty pretty outstanding. He was under pressure, kind of took a shot to the neck and like just threw it up for kind of up for grabs, but it wasn't really. It was calculated, and you know, once again, here we are with Kirk Cousins playing good football. I mean, Kirk Cousins is. You know, I mean, he's more than serviceable in Dynasty, and I suppose we should circle the the, the Vikings here and the and the Packers. I mean, what are your thoughts in in Dynasty now? Uh, it, you know, in terms of these two quarterbacks, both Rodgers and Cousins. I mean, kind of over that age apex, but both of them have uh, have still some good football left to go. Yeah, I think their values are very different right now because the expectation is. Rodgers isn't going to play with the Packers next year, but I think some of the candidates that people have their eyes on right now, a team like Denver, where yeah. they see this loaded roster, especially Denver just re-signed you know, their two Sutton. receivers, yeah. right? Yeah. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. Other people have pointed this out on Twitter, like, watch him re-sign Melvin Gordon and just <laughs> have that entire offense, you know, for fantasy, we'll hate Ooh. it. That but for the actual painful. team, you know, oh. that they'd be in love and Rodgers would be in love if he went there. But that's yeah. a big assumption. So right now, if, you know, if you're going to try and trade for Aaron Rodgers, you have to trade for the expectation that he's going to be on Denver. Whereas with Kirk Cousins, I'm as guilty as anybody of just always underrating Kirk Cousins for fantasy especially. He's a guy yeah. who's, I believe, you'd have to fact check this, but I believe like the last five years is always at least a fringe QB1, if not an actual QB1 by the end of season. Yeah. It never feels that way. Watching him play, it never <laughs> feels that way. And so, you know, he becomes a, a dude where I think Minnesota could do worse than him and worse than just keeping him around for a couple of years at least. So, if you wanted to trade for somebody, and I think here's the thing. If you're going to trade for Cousins, people think, I have to be a contender to trade for him because, you know, he's going to be gone in a couple of years. I don't know that that's true. I think that you could get him on the cheap, potentially, no matter your roster construct. So yeah. I hate to say it, but he's interesting. He's been criminally underrated for since the beginning, really. I mean, he even out of the draft, I mean, if you remember, he was drafted behind um, Robert Griffin III and that Washington team. Uh, he spent, you know, a few years there, you know, behind, uh, behind uh, you know, RG3. And, uh, but since he's been the starter, you, you mentioned it. So this is starting in 15. Uh, he's finished the following, quarterback 10, 5, 6, 13, 19, 11, 9. So again, 10, 5, 6, and the 13, 19 is kind of an aberration, 11, and 9. He's been basically, as you put it, a top 12, sometimes a top 5 or 6 fantasy quarterback. So fantasy, we always get him wrong because we definitely draft him outside the top 12 every single year, and he finishes inside the top 12 every single year. He's certainly that that kind of player, but he usually throws up a stinker. 
that like or two in a row where it's like he just plummets and like has an awful, awful game for two games in a row or something like that. This this year, you know, uh, just interceptions in the last few years, like even starting in 15, 11, 12, 13, 10, 6, 13. This year, only two. His interception percentage is down to 0.5. I think that'd be a record, like really just unbelievable. He's playing so well right now. And look, the team is... I think the team is underrated too. A lot of people ready to bury this team. They've been in every game. They just haven't won close games. Um, you know, you can put that on the quarterback, on the coach, on the defense. I just put it on bad luck. I mean, random things happen. They could have won games because they're in them. They lost them. I think they're better than their record shows. And I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Well, and with the Vikings, you always have to account for the bad luck with their kicker experiences, which I know is factored into at least a couple of games here this year. Almost factored into this last one against the Packers. Shit. Um, Packers had their own issues with kicker, of course. But, yeah, I I think it would be foolish to look at the team and go, no, they're just – they're what their record shows. There's teams every year where their record either looks much better than it should or much worse than it should. And I think theirs looks worse than it should. Uh, You know, I'm not willing to write them into the uh, NFC championship game or anything like that right now, but it's not for a lack of uh, offensive pieces. Certainly their defense, I feel like has been a little bit more hit and miss. Um, Their corners have gotten, some struggles they've allowed a lot of big games to opposing wide receivers and they're still a team that i target with my wide receivers on the day you know especially like a dfs play if you can because it's almost always going to happen where they give up 250 300 yards to the collective receiving group um but with all that said yeah i think they're still certainly contenders yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, everybody's got the Chargers, you know, kind of flirting with the top, you know, teams in the in the NFL. I mean, I, I did a uh, little tweet where I asked everybody to put a bunch of teams in order. They were basically like teams two, three through 12 or something like that, you know, in my in my power rankings. And it, it was it was hard, man, because they're all over the place. But, you know, the Chargers are, you know, are six and four and they have a plus minus of minus five. You know, the, the Vikings are five and five. They have a plus minus, a plus 13. That's better than the Browns, better than the Steelers, you know, uh, better than a few teams out there, better than the Raiders, obviously. But, you know, uh, I think they're probably not great. I think they're in the middle there, but I think they're dangerous in the middle because they have this sounds crazy, but because they have Kirk Cousins, who, you know, I know he's going to, it's got the wheels are going to fall off at some point. I get that. But I'm just saying, you could do a lot worse than a 33 year old Kirk Cousins. And hopefully you were drafting him in startups. He, he, you know, definitely worth a trade. On the other side, though, I, you know, with Aaron Jones out and, and AJ Dillon, you're a Packers fan. Is, is AJ Dillon going to be uh, like sort of a bell cow threat in the league to come? Or is this maybe a good time to sell high because Aaron Jones is out and everybody, you know, shiny new toy, AJ Dillon? Yeah, I think it's tough to sell high in Dynasty because everybody knows that Aaron Jones is coming back for the rest of this year. We don't know exactly what the outlook looks like for 2022, 2023, but there is a pretty good inclination that A.J. Dillon should be the guy going forward. And for what it's worth, I'm trying to be unbiased here, but I do think that he showed a couple of traits that people didn't believe. Uh, prior to the Aaron Jones injury, which number one was, can he actually catch a ball? Yeah, he can. 
he, like Jonathan Taylor, wasn't required to do so in college. And sometimes that just gets in people's way of evaluating that. And even last year when he had to step in in a limited spurt, yeah, he could catch a ball. He didn't appear to have the softest of hands, but he could do it. He actually looks to have pretty soft hands this year, and I'm impressed with that. He's never going to be Aaron Jones in that respect. I don't need him to be, but the workload that he can handle is going to be more than Aaron Jones could, I think, at least. There's always going to be somebody that's going to spell him. He's not going to be Derrick Henry. Uh, You can get those comps out of here. He's not going to be Derrick Henry, and that's okay, though. No. Uh, nobody's you don't need Derrick him to Henry. carry 90% of the damn carries, you know? Yeah, right. you said it. Nobody's uh, Derrick Henry, but he, he looks good. So I'm in the mode of holding, maybe even trading for him after Aaron Jones comes back this year. Yeah, it's interesting for sure because, I mean, Aaron Jones has been sort of spelled by Dylan even when they're both healthy, enough so that it's limited uh, Jones's upside and given Dylan a pretty safe floor on a week-to-week basis – in certain uh, types of leagues, if it's a bit deeper, he's a heck of a nice little flex play. Uh, you know, he probably hasn't scored as much as people would like to see, but I, I think he's he's quite a player. I mean, just finishing with the Packers really quick, because, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm such a sucker for MVS every year, it feels like. And, you know, I, I started him in a, <clears throat> in a few spots this week, actually, you know, because uh, I play in some deep, you know, degenerate leagues. And, you know, MVS is like a, a good starter there, you know, Randall Cobb and MVS are both starters in some of the leagues I play in, but, uh, but it was nice to see MVS go off. He always has that big play ability. Aaron Rodgers has big play arm. Yes. Maybe we're worried about uh, Rodgers leaving and not being there next year. It's possible. I, I don't know what the hell. I mean, they're certainly not going to go with the, the worthless piece of shit in Jordan love. So that's out. Uh, and if they do, they ought to have their head examined, but maybe MVS I don't know, man. Is he a step forward or is this just a little bit of a mirage? I still can't trust a Packers wide receiver, too. It's it's tough. And maybe I'm emotionally involved too much for it. That's very possible. You know, you have to go back to like 2014 to when a wide receiver, two on their team was really a guy that was worth keeping on your roster and pumping up week in and week out. I don't think MVS is that guy. Was it James? Well, there was Randall Cobb and James Jones for a spell where both of them were very fantasy relevant. Um, but Behind you know, Jordy the Nelson, thing about, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the thing with MVS is that he still only saw as much uh, field as he did this last week because Lazard was out. I still believe once Alan Lazard comes back in, MVS is not going to get nearly as many looks. Hmm. And it was stupid the amount of times Aaron Rodgers targeted him, especially early on in that game, and it wasn't working. Uh, he was attacking the right side of the field, same play over and over and over, and it didn't work. Eventually, it worked out for you, certainly, uh, for fantasy, and it did to a certain extent for real football. But, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a mirage. Well, that's, that's cool. Well, I, you know, now we're going to go to my my New England Patriots, but... That's where my special guest comes in, man. I can't believe this. You're going to be pretty impressed by this, uh, Jake. Oh. Yeah, seriously. I'm, a, I'm just going to – is he uh, – Michael's telling me he's in. Michael's the, the producer. So this is a big get for me. I mean, I'm a small fish, you know, big pond. But uh, without further ado, I want to welcome into the program one of my heroes, uh, comedian, Bostonian – Mr. Bill Burr. Bill, what is going on? Hey, guys. How are you hanging out here? This has been uh, 
it's been something. I've been kind of hanging back here, just listening in a little bit. This is uh, this is a cool show. Thanks for having me on. No problem, Bill Burr. Holy shit. This is like uh, unbelievable. You you and I both know, hey, Bill, tell this idiot Jake that Mac Jones is the number one quarterback in the NFL. Rude. That was rude of you to set me up like that. Man. Oh, that was true. But it's true. No, I mean, there's uh, there's a certain threshold, you know, of uh, stupidity I can listen to uh, when we talk about Mac Jones. And I think, uh, and, you know, anybody who's saying that he's not going to be the real deal, they're just not, uh, you know, they're not paying attention like we are, Scott. You know, they're not looking into this thing and seeing what I see. You know, it's a rookie quarterback, okay? He's not lighting up your, your fantasy scores. Sorry. <laughs> you know, he's not uh, he's not going to get you your precious little fake championships maybe this year. Uh, but the kid looks good. And uh, you just got to give him some room to grow under Papa, Papa Bill, you know. I, I got to be honest. I did not think that I would have Bill Burr on the show without swearing. So I'm just going to cut it from there. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. That was Bill Burr. Signing off. That was amazing. Holy smokes. He told me I had like 15 seconds with him. Uh, that was amazing. Bill Burr, everybody. Well, you made it count, I guess. Ooh. I feel like feel like an asshole after uh, getting read through the ringer by Bill Burr, but here we are. I, maybe that changes my opinion on Mac Jones. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I Here's the question that I'd ask Mr. Jake now that you know Bill's out of the way. This is a serious question. This is a serious question. Who is the quarterback one of this past draft class in Dynasty Fantasy Football? Not joking. Not joking. Quarterback one? Yeah, like Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Fields, Lance, Zach Wilson. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, seriously, of those, pfft, Zach Wilson. Oh, uh, yeah, even Zach Wilson. You could choose him if you're an idiot. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> but uh, tell me, tell me who's the who? I mean, are we crazy to consider Mac Jones as the new quarterback one of that class, or is it too soon? I don't think it's crazy at all because he's in the most stable foundation, and. It is, as Bill said, it is just a a function, you know, here's a safe player that is doing the safe thing and helping them win games. And so we don't get the highlight reel that we get with some of these other guys. And I think it's really easy to underrate that or overlook his actual steady impact that he's been having. Yeah. Just watching them, not looking at the box score. I don't think that's crazy at all. I'm yeah. still holding out hope for Justin Fields yeah. once we get rid of Nagy. And that should be happening here hopefully this week. It sounds like maybe uh, that report came out. So if that happens, yeah. I'm still holding out hope that Justin Fields is that guy. For right now, though, I don't think it's uh, too crazy at all to say Mac. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the Justin Fields, Matt Nagy, I saw the uh, the best um, the best tweet was a, uh, a meme, and it was the guy from – uh, off the uh, the uh, office space, you know the the boss, and he's like leaning there with his coffee cup, and he, yeah, I'm gonna need you to come in. No, he goes, uh, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and let you go, but I'm still gonna need you to work on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> That's so a great good. Name. 
So good. Like, yeah, you're going to be fired, but we're going to need you to head on in on Thursday. Like, he's on what Thanksgiving. What does that make him do? Yeah. What does know. he do on Thanksgiving then? Like, you come into your office knowing that you're going to get fired as an I mean, employee. What would you do? You I'm know? punting on first down. Like, seriously, first fucking yeah. place. Punt. Like, what What are you talking about? I'm fired before the game. Like, I, look, if that's true, if he literally gets fired right after the game, that is about as dirty as you could be done. That's all. That's all I know. Yeah, that, I know. Would be, that would be rude as shit. Oh. But also, you know, I did read the Bears have never fired anybody in season before. Uh-huh. But like, so maybe they just don't know how to handle it, and they <laughs> think that this is somehow good. Here's your week and a half notice or whatever. Week, two week uh, notice, dude. You got a fucking two week notice. Oh brutal. my god, dude, that is so ridiculous. But we were. Don't get me. Don't get me off. Now we were talking about. Mac Jones being the quarterback one, the 1.01 in redraft startups uh, next year. No, no, we weren't saying that. No, no, we weren't saying that. I'm getting a little excited, but I do think it's worth a conversation. You know, we we talked about, you know, uh, a couple shows ago, whatever. Um, people were saying like, you know, well, he doesn't throw down field. It's like, all right, you're you're the uh, you're the uh, Green Bay Packers. Name the player on the Patriots that you'd like as your downfield weapon on your Packers. You can have one. You'd be like, uh, no, 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 thank you. There's none there. I want no shit. He's not throwing downfield. He doesn't have a downfield player on the squad. There's not a single one. Nelson Aguilar is the 1.01 of downfield threats on the New England Patriots. You comfortable throwing it and slinging it all over the place? Of course not. He has been throwing it downfield to some degree when those opportunities are there. I think he's been outstanding. You know, uh, I, he, look, there was just a possibility he was the best quarterback in that class. And that possibility is starting to become a probability. And I think so much of that does still come at the risk of giving any sort of props to Bill Belichick as if he needs them at this point. But I do think there is something to be said of, can I walk into a steady situation and continue to actually grow and expand on what I had coming in here, as opposed to fighting for my life every Sunday, as some of these quarterbacks have to do. And there's not an opportunity, sorry, there's not an opportunity to grow under Urban Meyer. So Trevor Lawrence is going to be stuck in the mud for a little bit longer. Same deal with, uh, you know, Nagy and Justin Fields. And it's an underrated aspect that he's being molded by Bill Belichick. And that's not a bad thing. And the things that he did really well, he's going to emphasize. The things that he doesn't maybe do so well are going to be de-emphasized and hopefully work on behind the scenes and hopefully get better. And when they have weapons, like you said, that can actually go downfield, then maybe we'll see that as those opportunities actually come up. Yeah, and Urban Meyer lets things grow more so off the field. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, thank you. These are my best jokes. Hopefully they hold up. should have had Bill Burr ask me if these were good. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but, um, yeah, I you know, I, I just think that there's something there. I, you know, the Patriots are now, um, I think they're like second in the NFL. I, I sent a tweet of uh, teams. There were three teams or four teams with three, 300 or more points scored. The New England Patriots are on that list. There are like two or three teams with under 200 points allowed. The Patriots are on that list. They're the only team on both lists. They're playing good offensively and defensively. They're they're winning games. They've got two coming up with Buffalo Bills. They've got one coming up with Tennessee this week. Like they've got some big games in front of them. Uh, if they can just kind of split with Buffalo or whatever, like obviously if they can sweep Buffalo, it's Sayonara. They're the I think whoever. It could sweep that that you know those two games is going to be the the AFC East champ if they split, which is more likely than not. 
then it's going to be a you know a battle to the end and super excited to watch it. I mean, just a really fun team and and the and the Mac Jones thing is just making me very very happy. Uh, let me just say that. And that's fair. You know, you've been through it for too long as a (laughs) Patriots fan and and battled here last year. You know, you really deserve it after that big slog. We really really do deserve this. I mean, you know, Detroit fans right now are listening, like literally throwing shit at the fucking, you know, radio. I mean, my my main man, Felix Sharp, right now is like listening, Mm -hmm. going, you fucking jerk. I hate you. You know, I think I once said like Minnesota had it worse than him. And he, he like stopped me in the middle of my sentence. It was like, you, you know, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, he was telling me all about what it's like in the North and apparently it sucks to be Detroit. So I'm always pulling for you guys. I was pulling for you uh, the other week against the Eagles when you got fucking trounced. I was like, come out here and you know, I, I got nothing. You guys can't win. You can't, can't do it. So sorry, Detroit. I'm on your side, but Boy, oh boy, if only you get your hands on a quarterback like Mac Jones, you just never pick in the right spots. Ooh, whoops, wait, what happened? Anyway, moving on, moving on. I think there were some pretty pretty cool things I wanted to talk to you about. Um, you know, there's some pretty – so let's, let's say it this way. Right now, if you're trying to win a championship, whether it be, you know, redraft or dynasty, I think there's some running backs that you would very, very, very much like – to be holding on to right now. And I think there's two of them. And I think they also play for some pretty interesting teams. And that's Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler. Both of them went ham this past week, but they'd been kind of putting up consistent points every single week. I think Jonathan Taylor uh, just put up um, eight straight weeks of a hundred yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. That's only been done one other time or something like that by someone called Ladanian Tomlinson. Never heard of him. Um, yeah, never heard of him. Just some scrub. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so this this Jonathan Taylor news, very, very insignificant. Wouldn't pay any attention to it. Probably just a blip in the radar. But while, while we're on this blip of the radar with this non-generational talent, we should ride the hot hand as it is. Joking, of course. Sarcasm. But Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. What do you think about Jonathan Taylor? I mean, he's obviously the the the, the running back one in Dynasty, but um, you know, can this can this keep going with this Carson Wentz train? I mean, what do you think? I think that's really interesting that you said he's obviously the running back one in Dynasty because I think there are mm, there's a like certain that. contingent there's a certain contingent that I think still wants to hold on to CMC in that Love role, CMC, yeah. and it's great. It's great, and uh, obviously when he's been healthy. You've seen it. You, you've seen he can walk into basically any situation and still dominate, and that's yeah. that's great. But the the mileage thing is a real concern, and I think it would be foolish to not consider Jonathan Taylor at least as the number one guy, even if you love CMC. Yeah. So I think Jonathan Taylor is not so much quarterback dependent. You know, you mentioned Carson Wentz, and how long is that going to be sustainable? I don't know that that's the thing. I don't know that that's the factor. I think the factor is, will Frank Reich, if he hangs around, will he now actually believe in this guy that, hey, we don't got to spell him. We don't need to work in Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines as much. Jonathan Taylor, hey, look at this kid. He can handle the workload. So as long as that frame of mind holds up with Frank Reich, I, I have no issues at all. And I mentioned before, it's that A.J. Dillon thing. People didn't really believe Jonathan Taylor could catch the ball and be an adequate pass catcher. Well, that's been put to bed. 
It's yeah. been put to bed now. So it's I mean, I, I, you know, it's funny because I was tweeting that shit. Um, I, I did a tweet. I should have had it ready. I, I, I'm, of course, not prepared. Uh, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. But I had sent it to – that's why they listen. They, like, listen to me fucking try and figure it out. Um, but I had sent a tweet about uh, Jonathan Taylor's um, dominator rating for just receiving in college, and it was higher than any of them because he scored five touchdowns in his junior year uh, receiving. The whole Wisconsin team threw less than 20 touchdowns. So he had this huge percentage. You know how many CM, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire had when they threw 60 touchdown passes? He had one. So, I mean, mm. you know, it was uh, it, it, like, first of all, it's five to one, which is a, a lot more. I'm, I'm, I'm not a math wizard. Someone can send me the numbers, but that's a lot more. But not only it's five out of like, there were like, I think 16 or 18 touchdowns. It's like, most of them went to Jonathan Taylor. He broke long runs on on passes, even though he didn't have a lot of targets. Now, he had fewer raw targets than CEH and others, but they also threw the ball like – it looked like they were throwing a waterlogged ball in Wisconsin, right? I mean, it was just like, oh, my God, just throw it to Jonathan Taylor, and he would just take it to the house. Like, he was a great receiver. I wouldn't say great. He just had great receiving numbers, even though they were hidden on an anemic Wisconsin passing offense. I think he's always been at least – uh, a, 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 a prospect that we could consider would be a great uh, receiving player. And he is basically, I mean, look, all you have to do is get it to him and then like, let him beat everybody in the end zone. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes off season reports are stupid and worthless, but there are certain ones that I do pay attention to. Uh, like I typically don't care like who guys are hitting the weight room with that kind of thing. But <laughs> right. when Jonathan Taylor came out, you know, and Melvin Gordon sort of took him <clears throat> under his wing and was like, hey, we got to work on your pass catching because that's a really big thing and a transition to make here. And it's a point of emphasis. As soon as I heard that, I go, oh, he's going to be fine. I certainly didn't expect him to do a five touchdown day like he did this past week. Right. That wasn't what I was thinking, of course. But like. Hey, here's a, a perceived weakness. Let's fix it. Or yeah. let's, at least let's fix it in the eyes of everybody that's going to be watching you. Yeah. No, you're absolutely 100% right. And, and you know, I was looking at like, I, I, did you, all right, this is, who? how many interceptions do you think Carson Wentz has this year? It's just based on history. I want to say it's like 15. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's three. Wow. I, I, I looked at this number. I was like, wait, what? That can't be right. Like three interceptions. I mean, he had that Tennessee game where he threw like he like shovel past one to a defensive lineman for no good reason. Like he's had some really and he had some throws that like should have been interceptions. I don't know how they weren't, but like he has three picks. Like, hmm. I don't. Yeah, that's what I said. So, yeah, wow. I mean, they have kind of fixed them a little bit. I mean, it is a, a bit of that running game and stuff, but my gosh, if Carson Wentz can protect the football, man, this is a this is a tough team, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Are they now the best team in the AFC South? Ooh, Ooh. thank you, thank you. I think that's saucy. I yeah, think um, I I think I can get on board with that actually, and. I'm not going to put this all on Carson Wentz. I like Carson Wentz. I think he is good. I think he still <clears throat> holds the ball a little too long sometimes. That's yeah. my biggest issue with him right now. But, you know, you have to give him credit after a very rough start this season. He's battled back. The entire team has battled back. 
I think their defense is in good shape. I think their offensive line is in better shape than I thought it was actually going to be at this point here this year. So uh, if it's them or the Titans for the rest of this way, I mean, the Titans are just so beat up. Yeah, You can't really believe in their offense one way or the other. And Ryan Tannehill has looked he he's looked like what I thought Carson Wentz might look like. Uh, so I think, yeah, the Colts could be that top contender for now, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not crazy. And like this was what I was talking about. I was doing the power rankings and it was like, uh, I should have to pull it up, but it was like, you know, the, the, the bills, the Patriots, the Titans, the Colts, um, the chiefs, uh, the Cowboys, the Packers, um, you know, the, the, this whole slew of teams. And it was like, put them in order and you're like, wait a second. I don't know. Like, I don't know who's better. Like, you know, I just mentioned the thing about the Patriots, the plus and minus, like plus minus usually, in, uh, you know, uh, reveals a good team. Like if you're and and it's like Arizona, um, Buffalo and New England are the three best plus minus followed closely by like Tampa Bay. It's like, well, maybe those are the four best teams. I don't know. I'm not saying they are, but I'm saying, that may not be crazy. It's not crazy to say that the Pats might be the – but th- here's the thing. I could say they're the third best team. I could also say they're the 12th best team. And you wouldn't hurt my feelings either way. Like I'm not saying, oh, they're definitely the best. But I'm also saying they're definitely not just the 12th best team either. And this is what's happening. And I think with the Colts, they could be that team that comes on strong. I mean, you know, looking at we'll, – we'll skip ahead and talk about the Tennessee Titans. And the Titans lose Derrick Henry. And in so doing – lose their identity. You know, I think if they just had to start the season without Derrick Henry, it'd be one thing, but to sort of shift all their mindsets, they had this mindset of we fucking run downhill. We change the game with Derrick Henry. We just need to give him a little sliver of space and he's going to, he's going to hurt you like in more ways than one. And now they don't have that. So I think it's more of a philosophical issue they're having. And um, yeah, it showed through this, this past week, didn't it? Yeah, and it's it's not a good sign when their savior Adrian Peterson already got cut here this this uh, week, and that's you know now you're relying on Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay <laughs> Foreman, and you know they're not Derrick Henry, so you no. talk about an identity identity <clears throat> shift, and now you don't have Julio and AJ Brown is completely dinged up, and who's that fourth string tight end that you're going to be forced to sling the ball to? Yeah, that's not a recipe for many teams to have success and even if they do get julio back i'm starting to think there's a good chance they won't by the way or or that if he does come back it's going to be for like a game and a half and then you're not going to see him for the rest of the year yeah so or it's an in name only too right like you won't see julio as in julio you're just going to see the guy named julio jones on the field yeah yeah you got his jersey out there congratulations but how many passes is he going to actually catch i don't know i i would hope that it's a big triumphant return but of i'm course. not expecting that and ryan Tannehill is not a uh a baller that's just gonna rise up the rest of the team he's not gonna uh, right. elevate everybody else there that's just not him and that's fine because he's had yes. a, a good enough roster and good enough coaching especially shout out to arthur smith who i think unlocked a big key with him the last couple of years that's not yep. there right now and so it's it's getting concerning you're starting to make me think that the titans are gonna struggle to win two more games this year well like first of all they go to the patriots this week so in new england that doesn't sound fun right now like i don't know that does, doesn't sound fun first of all it's right. gonna be one of those awesome games right i mean eh. 
I say <laughs> when I say awesome, I mean awesome in the uh, old New England. You know, it's gonna be like seventeen to sixteen or some shit. You know, it's just gonna be sure. awesome in that way. Like Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel, like staring at each other from across the. You know, that type of awesome. Definitely not a shootout. Uh, you know, but if if I told you one team wins thirty one to three, which team do you think it would be? Yeah, that would certainly be the Patriots. Right? Like, there's yeah. no possible way, it feels like, that the Titans can come in there and do that. No. If if they do, it's going to have to be on their defense somehow. And, like, yeah. how is that going to work? Yeah. You know? <laughs> how, how is that defense going to put up that much uh, of a struggle? Or, or, I should say, make the offense struggle that much? And, yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, and then the week after that, they've got their bye. Probably couldn't come at a better time. I mean... And uh, then they get Jacksonville in week 14 at home. That's That should be a get-right game. Um, their, their, their schedule gets a little bit easier. Uh, then they go to Pittsburgh. I don't know if that's a tough game or not. It could be for them. I mean, who knows? Then they get a Thursday night game at home against San Francisco. I think San Francisco is another team that needs to be uh, monitored at this particular point. Uh, they're looking good. Oh, and then they play they play at home against the Dolphins. Uh, so another winnable game, uh, and then at Houston. So they have a bunch of winnable games. That's the thing. Houston, Jacksonville, Miami, like Pittsburgh. It's not that difficult when they come out of the bye after they play the Patriots. So they could sort of hold on, but if that team sort of holds on, I'm betting against them in the, uh, in the first round of the playoffs. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. That's fair. I also don't think the Jacksonville game is a gimme for them no. right now, which is so oh, horrible to say. But uh, no, I, I won't give them that win on the score sheet right now. Right. And honestly, I could see I could see a case where it's a it's kind of a fuck it all game for Houston at the end of the year, and like somehow that ends up being an upset too. None of it would surprise me. No, none of it would surprise me. I mean, the only good thing with the Houston last day of the, last week of the year is that. All those Houston guys are already have their vacations planned. They are fucking, they are all, it's true. Like, they're not like, oh, maybe playoffs or anything. No, 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 their minds are not there. They're like, let's get the fuck out of here. So that's the only uh, silver lining. And, of course, Tennessee might need it. So if they need it, that's a big game for them. You know, you feel me? Oh, yeah. Yep. So uh, anyway, so that's the, that's the, that's the Colts-Titans situation. Now, the Chargers. Chargers are 6-4. and four. They're going to keep rolling with Austin Eckler. What are you doing with Austin Eckler going forward in Dynasty? I have some opinions here. It's tough. Uh, when somebody shows what they can be, especially an underutilized running back, with a new coaching staff, then I tend to just believe that. Yeah. Uh, but if the overall running back picture has proven anything over the last couple of years – it's that volatility is not to be fucked with, with running backs. That is tried and true. You can say that about basically everybody, you know, eh, maybe Alvin Kamara and Zeke to an extent escaped that. But for basically everybody else, volatility is the name of the game. He's doing so, 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 so well with Brandon Staley there. Yes. Yeah, I want to believe that he can hold up to that. And I be- want to believe that it's just the coach that is finally using him the way he should be used, finally getting red zone work that he was not getting at all the last couple of years. Yes. But, you know, we now have this is year five of him in the league, and it's like we're just starting to 
to broach this. I think he's a trade high guy for me. Probably, yeah. I mean, unless you're winning, of course, you got to keep riding this thing. I, I, I don't know what who else you could trade for. I mean, that's kind of the point I guess I'm getting at it here with these running backs is if you start looking at, you know, the running back landscape in Dynasty, it's just kind of funny how every year we think we've got it figured out and then all of a sudden it's kind of not, it's not that anymore. Um, you know, just looking at, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor. Okay, great. Christian McCaffrey. Okay, great. Uh, we're going to get to DeAndre Swift and Najee Harris, but you know, are you trading him for Alvin Kamara? You know, it's like, I, not really, you know, so you kind of have to like sell off altogether and like move way down and get like Dobbins plus a bunch of stuff or something, you know, I don't know, man. It's just like, He's found money right now, uh, but you're 100% right when you talk about Austin Eckler's touchdowns. That was the reason I said to fade him. He's had, you know, in 16 games in his first three seasons, I suppose in, in one year he played 14, but he had five, six, 11. He spiked last year. He only had three. They didn't really use him in the in the red zone. I was like, you know what? He may be more of a, you know, four, five, six type of touchdown guy per year and not more. He has 13 total touchdowns right now, and we, we've only played 10 games. So, yeah, he's been a touchdown scorer where conventional wisdom would tell you he shouldn't be. There's obviously some regression there. He's not going to average that for the rest of, you know, a touchdown and a half for the rest of his career. That's not going to happen. But he is, like you say, being utilized almost solely at the goal line. In other words, he gets all of it. Like, they don't spell him. They don't feel the need to spell him. And you know what? Rightfully so. The kid is fucking electric. He can jump over. He's a good goal line player. I, I think it was uh, last week on the pot, or last week I was sick, but the week before, um, you know, John Lobb had mentioned that, uh, you know, goal line ability is an actual ability. Reference Marcus mm-hmm. Allen. And, you know, I think Eckler actually has that, even though he's a smaller back. Yeah, you've seen smaller backs have this propensity still, this nose for the end zone. Yeah. Like, Aaron Jones is actually a good example of that in terms of a guy who's not the biggest guy. It didn't matter. Like they, you can still use yeah. a guy like that in the end zone because it's not always just about sheer bulk. <laughs> right. and, and I get caught up in that just as much as everybody else does. Of like, hey, he's not three hundred pounds. How is he supposed to get fifteen touchdowns on the season? Right. It's like it doesn't have to be that way. There is a historical precedent for guys who can do that, but you do have to see it, and so. It's not, I don't think it's fantasy manager's fault for fading Austin Eckler because they hadn't seen that end zone usage. You see enough of that absence of the usage, like, well, okay, it's just not happening. We'll chalk that up and he'll be a good pass catcher. He will be a Danny Woodhead-esque guy and that's cool too, but he's not going to get me touchdowns. And then you see it and then, you know, it's fair to change your opinion. You know, I'm, I'm, we're going to, I agree with you hundred percent. They, they, I am famous for dunking on all the New York teams. You know, I already did that with um, <clears throat> with Zach Wilson. You know, and I'm going to do it again. I just um, I picture all like the the Washington football team fans and the Cowboys fans and like the Eagles fans. Of course, there's an Eagle fan. You know, Michael P. Duncan. You know, editing this podcast and like editing out all my terrible stuff, which takes hours and hours. But all those fans listening, when I start talking about the New York football giants. They must go crazy. Cause this is, that must've been, that was embarrassing last night. I mean, we're recording this on Tuesday, going to come out on Wednesday, but you know, that was sheer embarrassment. And of course they followed up with, of course, 
you know, maybe a little bit of a quick trigger on this Jason Garrett. I really would like to see what he's got. But, uh, you know, of course, firing him in a very timely manner. What do you think? What did you see last night, baby? <laughs> it, was, it was so gross. Yeah. Uh, and and um, it looks like, you know, how sometimes you think. Having a job in the NFL, it can't be that hard. It can't be that hard. You know, right. you watch the games and you're like, I, I, can, I can figure this out. <laughs> this is what it looks like when somebody like you or I would just step into the office and be like, no, we'll go. Oh, I got this. Yeah, I they need give, to review they give things. Us, they give us the laminated sheet and we're like, here you go, man. Yeah. You're like, whoa, cool, man. Hold on. Let's let's hit this. Where's my spin button on this? Can I do that like in Madden or not? Or not? And uh, that's what it looked like last night. And I don't, I don't mean to hammer on them so hard. But it was it was comical. It was super hilarious to watch that thing play out. And if it was any other team besides a Tom Brady led team, I would have found it even more hilarious. <laughs> right. um, but he had to actually feel pretty good about finally getting some comeuppance against the Giants. So oh, you know, what yeah, you they do hold over. But they could. I feel like they could have won like seventy eight to ten. Like it was <laughs> yes. right. Like it was thirty to ten. But it was kind of like. Hey, you know, I mean, he's dead. You know what do you want me to do? You want me to shoot him again? I mean, he's fine. You know, he's look at him. He's laying there. I mean, it was embarrassing. There's that one thing I think um, Dan Orlovsky, uh, you know, did a little video thing of it where they had they ran this play where all there was like two outside guys and the three inside receivers just ran into one another in the middle of the field, like literally. Like that's not even like a, I'm not enhancing it for you know. They literally ran into one another and like just kind of fucking dispersed after that. That was the play. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) What do you call that? What kind of an idea is that? I think that's an, it's a great encapsulation. And like you said, you're not, you're not overemphasizing that. That, No, that happened. But like, if you had to take that game and boil it down into a play, that's perfect. Yeah, exactly. It it was really embarrassing. And, and Daniel, you know what it was too? It was funny because like, they just looked like they were – it looked like they got their two-week notice. Like, it looked like they were all fired. And, like, they knew it going in. They're like, eh, what the fuck? What are you going to do? Stupid game. We're out of here anyway. Like, they had no interest in, like, winning. There was just no fire. Like, Galladay was, like, looking over him like, what the fuck? Like, he didn't look like he was into it. Nobody was into it. Like, uh, Garrett wasn't even clapping. I, I mean, he didn't even, <laughs> he didn't even clap. Oh, no, no. That's how you know it got bad. Yeah, he was not clapping like "Let's go, guys!" or oh, "We'll get them next time, guys." None of the clapping happened. Maybe that's why they lost. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, somebody should come out with a metric of uh, claps per points. I think that would be very <laughs> helpful for us in the community. If Absolutely, we could get that. that would be fucking dope. If there was a Twitter account devoted to the the an, uh, analysis and analytics of the clapper, that'd have been fucking fantastic. <laughs> oh my god, that is actually really good. So. I, I oddly enough, I did tweet uh, this morning. I, I sort of shot my shot before it was like an hour before they actually announced that Jason Garrett was fired. It was funny you said that because I tweeted uh, breaking news. You know, of course, I break a lot of news. People definitely keep an eye on my Twitter account for breaking news. I broke the news that Jason Garrett will be fired. I said he'll be he's going he's been fired and he's going to be replaced with a ten year old ten year old. Madden player. So it's funny that you said that because, <laughs> and, and, and like literally that would be an arrow up for the Giants. They'd be like, well, hey, couldn't be worse. Let this kid call a few fucking plays. Kid's a Madden champion at 10. He's probably like literally you would think better than Garrett. I think the play calling would end up more inspired if you, they went that. Not way even joking either. Like, 
Like, it's funny. Like, you guys can laugh at home or you can cry if you're a Giants fan, but it's not even fucking a joke. Like, I literally think it would work better. Like, whatever, just, you know, square. That's a better play than whatever the fuck Garrett was calling. And that leads me to, you know, the other part of that, which was hashtag free Saquon. Um, first of all, I think he was a little hurt. I mean, he had that high ankle sprain of the ankle that looked like it fucking fell off and then they put it back on. He's amazing, but he did not look explosive. He certainly looked like it stiffened up a bit and then they were getting blown out and they pulled him out. But we all know that Saquon is a generational player, generational talent. It, can he survive this sort of giant situation or should you be jumping off the bandwagon and selling whatever you've got of Saquon at this point? I think he can survive the Giants. He yeah. can survive his situation. And there's going to be a shakeup. And obviously, once Garrett's gone, we'll see the manifestation of that over the next couple of weeks. And there's one of two ways where that typically goes in those situations where either the players really respond and there's a fire lit. Yeah. And you'll see maybe the two best games of Saquon's season yeah. in those couple. Or you'll see everybody just kind of do the Galladay treatment, like you said, and everybody just kind of quits and, and it's going to suck. But you're going to get a really clear picture, I think, after these next two weeks. My bigger question is just, and I'm not an injury guy. I'm not a doctor. Don't take any of what I'm about to say with uh, uh, truly to heart, but like, you know, there's only so many injuries that a running back can deal with before I have trust issues in not just them re-injuring, but like, is this going to be a Julio Jones type thing where they're out there every week, but what are they going to look like when they're out there? Yeah. When he's going to play through it, he can play through it. You talked about, he's a generational dude. He is a fucking beast Yeah, and he can play through it, but what's that going to look like for us? I don't know. Now, I totally agree. I mean, he's quote unquote young enough to see himself through to the other side. Like he's not an old player, but, you know, we've seen this, uh, you know, David Johnson, Lev Bell, Todd Gurley, like, you know, you know, not everybody ages as gracefully as Melvin Gordon and even Melvin Gordon. You know, I mean, it's not like he's ripping it up. I mean, it's it's hard to be a a 20 something year old, uh, you know, 28, 29 year old uh, running back in this league. We're going to see what happens with with another player we're going to talk about in a moment, but you know, (laughs) who's that age, but I just feel like Saquon might be able to see himself through to the other side. I think the bigger question, and I thought you were going to go there is, is Daniel Jones, because I don't think you could have had the 10 year old Madden player calling the plays. I still don't think Daniel Jones is getting those plays done either. Uh, He looks like a bit of a problem. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think that I'm willing to give him a little bit more flexibility because of how stupid the play calling was and because of how poorly orchestrated the entire games have been this year. And coming in this year, I kind of gave him a long leash and thinking, we'll see what happens. And I don't want to keep making excuses, but it is a little bit like with the naggy thing. Like, I would love to see what happens this next two weeks. How does he respond to this new change in the staff? And that should probably tell us whether you can trust Saquon then too with with both of them, honestly. Yeah. So let's just put me and you as like, you know, co-GMs of the of the New York Giants today. Your job is, you know, the Maras give you carte blanche. I, right. It's a it's a it's a it's a French name. It means um, you can do whatever the fuck you want. So I thought you were talking about Kate Blanchett. Yes. I got real excited. Okay. Blanche Knotts. Uh, there was a couple different people I was thinking. Um, so we can do whatever the fuck we want. We got to do what we, we, we 
I'm advocating to get rid of Daniel Jones and replace him with almost any other quarterback immediately. I'm on the quarterback search. Are you with me or, or are you still giving Daniel Jones some time as a New York Giants GM? Uh, I can get it's 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 price dependent. Obviously, what do you have to spend to do that? Because is your team with a new quarterback? Are you in a position to actually go out and get this thing or not? And I don't know that I'm saying that they are. <clears throat> I guess I don't know. You won't know what your team is until you have a quarterback either. I don't think. That's I fair. mean, you yeah. know, it's like, you know, look at look at Cleveland. I mean, let's go to fucking Cleveland for a minute. You know, Baker is playing like shit, like absolute shit in this Roster that basically every football head thinks this is like a great roster, top to bottom, offensive line, defensive front. They've got they've got it all, man. This is maybe the most loaded roster in all of football. Uh, you know, of course, without Hobie J now, they're done. But you know, maybe wide receivers are a little bit not as good. Okay, but you know, they've got they're loaded, and he has just been you know torpedoing this team, throwing terrible interceptions at, at, at inopportune times, etc. I mean, if they had, I just like to do that old switch. I mean, imagine if Aaron Rodgers was in Cleveland right now, you think they'd be okay. I mean, I think they'd be just fine. Like they'd probably, you know, they'd be winning. That team would be, I don't know. I just, I think there's the quarterback needs to be solved. And I think until New York giants solve that, they don't know what the fuck they got. I think that's totally fair. And it depends. Depends heavily on what your definition of stacked is. Yeah. You know, if, I'm just using the Broncos as an example, though. Yeah. In terms of overall offensive skill position players, they are stacked. But you're seeing with a, a bad quarterback in there, it's still not right. gonna gonna happen. But yeah, again, put Aaron <coughs> Rodgers in there, cool. Maybe that would that would be the the salve <laughs> for their team. Yeah, I mean, you know. It's it's kind of like the way I've always thought uh, is is you just need the offensive and defensive lines and a quarterback and like everything else will kind of solve itself and that's kind of what even has happened in New England. It's like when they released Cam, I was like, that's when it told me that they were good because that means they didn't have any questions. They were like, no, no, this is this guy's the fucking guy. Don't even worry about it. We got it. It's fine. He, you know, they were just ready to ride with it. They knew he was the guy. And their offensive and defensive lines were dope. And that has played out to them winning football games by a lot. They win by a lot because their offensive and defensive lines are good. And they've got a quarterback who plays efficiently. Like, it's a pretty fucking simple game. And, you know, that's how the Patriots won for years and years. They just had Skarnecchia and a great offensive line. They always had a good defensive front, you know, and they would just win. So, I, you know, they never invested, like, once in, like, Randy Moss, like, they never really invested in high dollar, you know, wide receiver. Even when they bought Randy Moss and brought him in, they they got him off the scrap heap. I mean, you don't you quote unquote don't need weapons. Uh, you know, you you nice to have, but you need to have offensive line. I think that's also where the Giants are are in a whole shitload of trouble. Is that line was getting fucking bum rushed last night. That's ugly. That was right. very ugly. And so that's Ooh. that's why I say like. Yeah, do I want to go out and get a quarterback? We can do that if we're going to bolster it with the draft uh, in the offensive line or go out and get a couple of key names. Like, cool, then we can have that conversation. But is it worth it before that? I I don't know. You need – otherwise you need somebody – actually, I shouldn't even say that. I was about to say you need somebody with a lot more mobility. That's not Daniel Jones' issue. He actually is a mobile guy. It's just – it's a disaster. It's a disaster. Ladies and gentlemen, your 2021 New York football Giants. Congratulations, Giants fans. Hope you enjoyed that segment. This segment brought to you by everybody who hates the fucking Giants. Um, 
And I don't really even hate the Giants, but it's just fun to dunk on people. Um, yeah. Moving right along. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> so Saquon, I think he's still worth a buy. I'm just really nervous about that 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 whole team. Another guy that you'd mentioned was uh, Christian McCaffrey, and, and the Panthers were super exciting. Uh, they did lose, but they came out, they threw the the, the like little like quarterback draw jump pass thing to DJ Moore for the touchdown, and Cam was all over it, and Cam, DJ Moore, CMC, it was feeling kind of good, and I'm not so sure. I'm a little bit uh, skeptical, even though I'm a little bit excited. Should I be more skeptical or more excited? If we're talking just about CMC here, it's it's skepticism all the way for me. It's a healthy skepticism because, look, if you, if you have him on your team, congratulations. And this should be a fun few weeks for you, I think, for the rest of this season. I think it'll be good for him. Yeah, do you have to worry about Cam vulturing a touchdown here or there? Of course. Of course you do. But overall, the offense is better with him, so that's more opportunities for CMC, and that's all great. My skepticism is the long term. It's like, mm. well, okay, if I got this guy, I can let him die on my roster. That's probably what I'm going to have to do. But if I, from a fantasy dynasty perspective, looking to go after CMC, like that's not on the table for me because mm. the name value is simply too high. He is still, like I said, I think he's still everybody's, not everybody's, he's a lot of people's running back one in dynasty still, even though I don't think that necessarily tracks right now. I think there's skepticism. And then what happens this year? Do they keep Cam? I don't know. Do do they keep him as the quarterback? Do they have another quarterback change? I'd like to think they keep him, but I don't know that for sure. So then what do you do with that? I, I think skepticism is the right right mode. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm also skeptical of the team. I was getting a little excited about uh, the Cam situation too, I, I think. But you're right. I mean, here's the thing. Uh uh, Christian McCaffrey is 25 years old in like 200 days. Like, so he's going to be 26, you know, he's 20, 25 and a half, you know, Jonathan Taylor's 22 and a half. That's three years younger. Jonathan Taylor. Look, people all say, well, the workload in Wisconsin, too many carries. That's going to, it's going to wear down a guy. Well, I don't know. He hasn't worn down yet. So like you say, you know, with injuries, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. Can't get fooled again. We everybody knows the famous saying, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, he's just hasn't knock on all the wood that you fucking can. Hasn't got injured. I do this all the time. I I jinx these fucking things. I traded for Derrick Henry next week. He got fucking his foot broke. I was like, what the fuck? Oof. Yeah, it's my fault. I take full responsibility. And I apologize to all of Dynasty owners. But um, yeah, it, so I think with with Christian McCaffrey, 25, 26 next year, and some injuries and a little bit of a question as to what that team's going to look like next year. Who's going to be the quarterback? I mean, is it going to be cam? Uh, it's certainly not going to be Sam Darnold as Bill Belichick is still arranging the flowers on his grave. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. It's, it's, it's tough. It, like I don't pretend to have all of the answers or most answers. Most of the time I like to pretend I do occasionally, but especially with cam, you know, I would like to think, hey, you guys screwed yourselves a couple of times with your quarterback shenanigans. And now you have this guy coming back, sliding right back into your offense, performing very well and probably looking 
like what you wanted your quarterback to look like back when you had Teddy Bridgewater there last year and when you brought in Sam Darnold this year? Are you that foolish to try and shake it up again in the hopes that, oh, hey, we have a boat here in Cam Newton, but now we have this envelope, you know, the old family guy reference. Here's an envelope. It could be anything. It could even be a boat. Well, you know what? You already have a boat in Cam Newton. Maybe you should just stick with Cam Newton for right now. Yeah. It could even be a boat. I love that. That is the funniest show ever. Um, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think uh I, I think it's I think what I'm trying to get at is other than Jonathan Taylor, you know, all these top running backs, Eckler, Saquon, CMC, we're gonna get to another one here in a moment, another couple. Dalvin, Zeke, Mixon, these are the guys we're going to get to. They're all kind of sells, unless you're winning. I mean, unless you're winning, because you know they're all going to be 26. And, and I'm, I'm thinking I would take any of those guys, package them up, and try to target 23 first-rounders. Like, just, you know, that doesn't mean you just trade Zeke straight up for 23 first. It's probably a little closer than I'd like to imagine. But, I mean, I need to get more than just a, a single – uh, pick for him at this point, but at the same point, it ain't a whole lot more than that. Pretty soon, we're getting to the point where these guys are going to diminish past that. Obviously, Eckler's worth more than that at this point, especially right now. If you're not winning, if you don't have a, a winning team, look to look to get off those guys because yeah, they might be good next year, but boy oh boy, it, it can all end very very quickly as we've seen with these players. So speaking of which, Dalvin Cook, my my one of my favorites. I actually did sell him. Uh, it, you know, this year in a in a rebuild, and I uh, was in there with with rhinos, and he couldn't believe it. He goes, "Holy shit, Jack's fucking sold uh, Dalvin Cook." I never thought I'd see the day, but again, it's it. You know, I love him as a player, but you gotta you gotta manage your team. And while I manage mostly winning teams, of course, I'm joking, not really. But when you're rebuilding, you got to throw all that shit out and just you know fill that iron bank, but. Speaking of Dalvin and the Vikings, we talked a little bit about the Vikings, but we didn't talk about Dalvin Cook. Where do you where do you have him right now? What do you feel about Dalvin Cook? I think right now, as much as I hate to admit it, I actually think Dalvin Cook is more name value than actual value for your roster currently. It's 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 not that he doesn't have big games and he can't continue to have big games for this next season and a half here. The problem with Dalvin Cook is like He's never been a huge receiving weapon, uh, certainly enough to give you like a respectable floor, but he he's not Austin Eckler in that department. Right. So you're not chasing that. So he is one guy that once he starts to get worn down, and we're talking about all those injuries piling up on a player, Dalvin Cook is maybe the leading example of that right now, where, yeah, he he's, he's not missed, you know, a full season, but he's missed games in every single season and now i wonder like is he getting so worn down and he's not used as creatively as some of the some of these other running backs are he's kind of just he's in my view in my uneducated view he's more traditional as a running back than some of these other guys are right now and so it's like well okay once he hits that wall he's hitting that wall and you're not getting value anymore you're not going to get it off the PPR points for him. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. So he's a trade away guy on name value. And again, it's it's that it's that touchdown regression. I mean, he's his peripherals are pretty close to what they've been. You know, he basically over the last two years in 19 and 20 where he was dope, 
you know, he averaged about 90 yards rushing per game. This year he's at 91. So that's fine. Uh, in those years, uh, you know, the problem is that he scored 13 and 17 total touchdowns those last two years and 19 and 20 respectively. This year he's got four. So four total touchdowns is not going to get it done. Obviously you need uh, the touchdowns from your running backs uh, or the Christian McCaffrey type of targets, the, the DeAndre Swift targets, um, you know, which begs the question, is it basically Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift as the one and two running backs in Dynasty? I could get I could get to that world. I was not there. I'll be the first to bet. Uh, there's a couple of guys on this list. I'm just going to have to eat some more crow about. And it's DeAndre Swift and it's Joe Mixon. Because coming into this year, I was one of those – like I have DeAndre Swift in redraft leagues because of where he fell. Like, you know, the fact that he was sitting there in the fourth, in my experience, fifth round. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, of course I'll take him there. But I really believe that Jamal uh, Williams was going to get more involved than he actually has been. So DeAndre Swift as your number two, I think, is completely fair because holy crap with the receptions. <laughs> yeah, dude. And it's I ridiculous. mean, yeah. And I mean, he's also in that same class as Taylor, you know, super young. And I mean, at some point, you, you know, if look, even if you're a competing winning team right now, both DeAndre Swift and Christian McCaffrey are going to give you somewhere in that, you know, 20 point per game, you know, ballpark, um, you know, DeAndre Swift and Dalvin Cook are going to give you somewhere in that 20-point-per-game ballpark, right? So it's like, well, would I rather have the guy who's 22 or 26 who's going to give me the same production or at least right. potentially the same production for the rest of the year? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but we can certainly see that Taylor and Swift are going to give you good points and they're super young and they've got, you know, uh, you know, terrible – I mean, DeAndre Swift, the fact that he's doing this well in this shitty situation – uh, it, it is really a, a little bit of a surprise for me. I mean, not that he, I thought he was this great player. I just didn't think there'd be enough opportunity for him to, to show it. You know, I thought there'd be a little bit of, you know, committee back here and there, which there has been, which, which was correct. And I thought they'd lose and be terrible, which they've been. So I, I was, I was right, <laughs> but I was wrong that he's just so good to overcome it all. And he's been that good. I, I'm really impressed. So for me, he's my second you know, I've got CMC as my third. And then at, at my RB4, I've got Najee Harris. And you could talk to me. I mean, Najee's actually older than Swift and Taylor. So for me, it's easy to not have him above, you know. I've, I've made the argument that you could make the argument that Harris is the uh, running back one in Dynasty. But that's just if people didn't know how old he was. Oh, he's a quote-unquote year younger than Taylor. No, he's not. He's a year older than Taylor, which sounds crazy, but it's true, you know. So... That's the reason why I wouldn't have him there. I mean, but what are your thoughts about that? Najee, I think people get too worked up in what his efficiency has looked like this year. And and I understand it to a point because they're saying, well, this guy's getting so much work and he's good, not great. Well, oh, great, not excellent. How right. about that? He's right. He is great, but it's not, you know, he's not looking elite right now because eh, Steelers. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. It is quite frankly that easy for me. It's it's the Steelers right now. Yeah. Okay, but look at how much work they're entrusting to him right now. You don't think that Steelers can clean up their act a little bit in the next couple of years and increase his efficiency metrics based on that? Because I think they can. 
Yeah. So I I think it's interesting that you mentioned Swift as your number two because I think Harris would be comfortably my number two right now. Fair enough. Um, because he's also getting so much in that receiving game. Yeah, it's it's definitely a conversation worth having. And I mean, at some point, you know, we actually have to start talking about another guy who's probably well farther down on most lists, but Javante Williams. I'm just going there. I didn't not on the show sheet, but if we're talking in this regard, Javante Williams has to be considered because he's younger than all these guys. He has shown that he is very efficient. And the only reason that he is not melting faces everywhere is because of the offset 50-50 touch share with Melvin Gordon. Literally, if he was getting 80-20, people would be like, oh, Javante Williams. I mean, he'd be off the charts right now. So he's a guy that you got to go buy because – he is insulated by that 50-50 share, which you jokingly said will continue uh, next year, but in all likelihood won't. And then he'll have, quote-unquote, the backfield to himself. Yeah, and when we were talking earlier about if you're going to trade away an Austin Eckler or somebody of that nature, that's who you want to try and pair him with. So if you can get a yeah. first and a Javante Williams, Ooh. yeah, that's dynamite. That's yeah. absolutely dynamite. And then yes. I'm into it. I'm not ready to get Javante Williams up into my top five just yet. I'm a little skeptical. I think there's always skepticism when why isn't the coaching staff giving him a little bit more work at this point in the season? Yeah. Early in the season, you totally get it. But Melvin Gordon, he's not – He's uninspiring. Been just too good. He's been a little too good. It's just like, you know, he is doing things just well enough to keep him off the field. My my hope is, of course, Javante just eventually, well, Melvin Gordon will be gone. And then whoever the number two is isn't going to be any threat to him. It's just like, what is what is what is he not doing better than Melvin Gordon right now? And I can't put my finger on it, but that's probably just because I'm an idiot. Uh, but it's like, what does the coaching staff see that he's not doing better than Melvin right now? I mean, you're not a you're not an idiot as far as other people tell you you are. You're you're not. <laughs> as far as other people I fucked it. that one up. I was trying to use a Caddyshack uh quote and I'm just too COVID I'm like too COVID-y. Uh just my brain's melting. It's really tough to talk, actually, <laughs> which is something Fair. that I'm sure everybody can't believe is uh is true about me. Uh you asked about the Melvin Gordon Javante Williams. This is incredible. I mean, you know, it's like Javante is five yards a carry, Melvin Gordon 4-4. Four, four. Like if Melvin Gordon were like 3-8 or whatever, you know what I mean? Then he would be in trouble. But it's like 51 yards a game, 52 yards a game on the ground. It's like targets, 28 and 29. It's like they just rushing attempts, 108, uh, 118 and 103. It's like they're just split right down the middle. And of course, even in the touchdown department, Melvin Gordon's held over him 7-2. And I just think it's going to be one of those things where at some point, uh, you know, we're going to see this thing from 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 Javante and he's just going to take off. I have met my RB7 in Dynasty. I think that's fair enough. Um, I, you know, I, I was having the conversation, like, would you rather have Najee or Javante? And most people would say Najee without a hesitation. But like, Javante is like two and a half years younger than than Najee. You think in two years you might want, you know, Javante? I know that that's the, the, the Dynasty sort of, you know, narrative that, that everybody hates, but it's somewhat true here because, you know, I just think Javante is probably going to be a top 12 redraft pick next year. Um, and certainly going to be a top 12 startup pick as well, you know? So I think Javante wheels up. Yeah. And he's so low risk. Yeah. That is what's great about him is 
hey, if this is his ceiling, <laughs> you know, uh, it's not what you want, of course, but like even this as his ceiling is is pretty okay for you <laughs> right, if that's what right. you're doing. Uh, but the fact that the ceiling is obviously massive and nobody's seeing it and people could be frustrated right now with their dynasty teams. And so it's a pretty low risk acquisition. He's just awesome. You know, he had that highlight the other, th- this other past week where he just, you know, literally was carrying a guy on his back for a few yards and threw him off and then kept going. I think that's what happened yeah. anyway. I don't, I, I didn't see it. No, I'm joking, but he's just been that good. And, um, you know, uh, I think that's something to think about. I mean, when you talk about guys like Zeke or Mixon or, even let's get to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is an interesting case because he's going to be like 28. Uh, I think he is 28, 28, 27. He's old and he's hitting that wall. And now he has that thing that you don't like that Julio Jones has had, which is the foot thing. He's got the Jones fracture. That is terrifying. I mean, you know, but him and ETN is terrifying. The, the, the foot stuff. I mean, I was way less concerned about acres and the, and the Achilles based on the fact that, Literally every player is coming back from Achilles, including even Dante Foreman, who people used to say didn't come back, is fucking back. This fucking Achilles thing. Oh, no running back has ever come back from it. Shut the fuck up. No running back has ever had it. You know, it's not like Marcus Allen, the prime of his career, popped an Achilles and never came back. That never fucking happened. Anyway, I'm off the soapbox. But like the foot thing with Derrick Henry, Travis Etienne, I'm scared. Uh, you know, where, what are you even doing with Derrick Henry? I mean, obviously you just got to hold, right? Yeah. I don't know who's going out trying to acquire an, a currently injured, uh, Derrick oh, Henry, yeah. you know, cause if you're, a if you're in rebuild, he's too old, like you said, and if, and if you're a contender, then what good does that do you to have an injured guy on your roster? So he's exactly. in this nebulous space right now and it's, it's really tough. And so when you say a hold, like he's kind of a textbook definition of a hold right now. But going forward, like redraft next year, let's talk about that. So where would you, where would I put Derrick Henry? I would say that I would still feel I would still feel too reactionary to drop him outside of my top ten running backs. Yeah. But besides that, can I have anything definitively stated? No, because we were gonna have to see a lot of training camp footage on this guy this coming year. I, it's gonna be. So much of those binoculars through the Twitter videos that are posted, trying to figure out what in the hell is going on with him and yeah. that foot. Because he was already expected to hit by some, expected to hit a wall this right. year. Right. And now he's old and he's had an injury and what the hell. Yeah. And as everybody knows, I'm always, even for players that I hate, like Derek Jeter and, you know, whatever, I've always rooted for injuries to fail and players to succeed. I am cheering for Derrick Henry, but the pragmatism has to set in and be like, this 28-year-old dude who's had like 400 carries in three straight seasons has now a foot fracture. The problem with the foot is it's so fucking small, all little pieces. You know, it's like a, you know, it's, it's you know what I mean? It's just all these little tiny, little tiny pieces that, that are so important. So, look, if they don't get that thing right, if I just hope it's perfect because it'd be cool to watch Derrick Henry. You know, a trade I was thinking about for Derrick Henry was like, you know, maybe you're a rebuilder, but like, you know, you could still take him on if you were trading like a, you know, a Zeke for a Derrick Henry plus like maybe a, I want a 23 first out of the deal somehow. Is that, that's too much, right? Like I can't get that probably. Yeah, like I wouldn't do that, for example, if I saw that, because I do think it's too much because I also expect Zeke to have a similar drop off concern here in the next year or so. And so 
that that one's really tough. Like Camara Cook, like Camara Cook in a for Henry in a twenty three first. Like at what point can I get Henry in a twenty three first in your contender? Like Henry was taking yeah. the title. Like where is that? You know, it's somewhere in there. Maybe no. Maybe there's a DeAndre Hopkins deal to be made in that type of thing. If you're looking to, hey, you know, he's still such a name and he's not performing obviously right now because he's been hurt then maybe there's a way like outside of the position to make that work. Yeah. Within the position, it's so tough to, to think of one, uh, at least for me. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm with you. I mean, maybe a Mixon. Mixon's been great. And that team, mm-hmm. that's the other thing too. If you're look, if you're one of these dynasty players that likes to say, well, I like my player tied to a good team. It's like, look, I mean, I, Cincinnati's playing well. They've got the quarterback and the receivers. I mean, Higgins and Chase and Burrow aren't going anywhere. Uh, Mixon got signed. So, I mean, I think he's still got, you know, obviously I think it's like a four-year deal, but he's probably like got at least one good year, maybe even two potentially where they are compelled to keep him on the roster. I'm not looking at his contract right now, but he should be around for this year plus one easy, if not plus two, you know, hashtag two to three-year window for running backs. You just are looking for a window, which is why, by the way, I'm kind of okay with keeping Eckler because I think this year, next year, he's fine, you know, or again, outside of injury. Um, but That's maybe fair. maybe Mixon. Mixon's that type of guy. Maybe Mixon. Another guy with foot injuries that I've tumbled down my dynasty rankings, and I'm super, super, super afraid and nervous is Antonio Gibson because of the offense as well. What say you, Jake Trowbridge, about Antonio Gibson? I say I saw a spark. Yeah. <laughs> I say I saw a spark this last couple of weeks, which yeah. was needed if you had him on any of your rosters to see. Because otherwise, there is legitimate concerns about, like, you know, redraft dropping. Is he dropping? Yeah. And some people (laughs) might have already done that. You know, of course, a couple of weeks before these blow-up games. And it would be reasonable if they did. No issues at all with that. For a dynasty perspective, though, you said it. So, this offense, it's Mm -hmm. Taylor Heineke. Nothing Mm -hmm. against Taylor Heineke. I don't believe him to be their quarterback of the future. Uh, and outside of Heineke, it's been uh, McKissick, yeah. and obviously Terry McLaurin is dope. Um, and, and but they've got issues McLaurin, on offense, right? I mean, they've got Terry McLaurin, and they've been injured, of course. I mean, Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas being out for so long, and yeah. Gibson being hurt, and of course Fitzpatrick. I mean, this team got absolutely slammed by injuries. I mean, that's a problem. But they were kind of patching it together this year, anyway. Like you, like you say, right? I mean, it's not like they were. You know, they were hoping Fitzpatrick. They had the Fitzpatrick Hail Mary get in there and see what happens. Lightning in a bottle shit, you know. But without that, they need a quarterback. They're going to be one of the other teams that needs a quarterback going into next year. And without a quarterback, I'm always nervous about the running back in that situation. Yeah, which is totally reasonable. I'm actually more worried about their defense as a whole because this was supposed to be a much better defense. Than what we got. And even before the Chase Young injury, this was supposed to be so much better. And that's just as much going to keep a running back in the game and lighting up your scoreboard if they can have that time to. I mean, because Gibson wasn't getting uh, the pass catching work last year. That was McKissick anyway. So if you're banking on that, then you're hoping for garbage time. But McKissick was stealing that away. So then you're hoping for positive game scripts with Antonio Gibson, which he wasn't getting. If they can get back into that, maybe. But it is two-pronged. It has to be defense. It has to be a quarterback. They're definitely in the market next year. I I don't do enough with the rookies to know this upcoming QB class, if that's going to be anything that they're interested in or 
will help. Yeah, odds are it won't, it won't help. Um, you know, I mean, odds are it won't help even if you have the number two pick in the draft, right? New York Jets, eat it. Um, <laughs> I look for any chance. I mean, come on. You know, Mac Jones just sitting there, but nope, we want Zach Wilson because of his mom. It's true. That was the reason. Is this, is this a hot mom take? Is that, that what's going on? <laughs> I don't on? even know. I don't even know. But what <laughs> other possible reason could you have taken? Like, oh, there's this flashy guy from, uh, you know, the conference nobody's ever heard of. Or the guy that just went 13-0 and and completed 80% of his passes and his wide receiver was the uh, Heisman Trophy Award winner at Alabama. That guy's available. Now, nah, fuck him. He has a dad bod. Not drafting that fucking jerk off. Anyway. Give me the give me the blonde kid. You know, I was like, what the fuck, man? And then Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah. No, not him either. He's too what what was all the he doesn't work hard enough. What? Right. I forgot about that <laughs> narrative that was what? floated out there for no reason. Yeah, like what was it with with uh with Justin Fields? So yeah, the Fields Mac Jones situation, who by the way, I, like in if it was me, it would have been Lawrence Fields, Mac Jones in real NFL. Not fantasy. Fantasy, you had to look at Lance, obviously, because she's right. Louise. I mean, this kid's unbelievable. But um, but yeah, Wilson was always the I mean, come on. He was the he was the red herring the entire time. It seems so obvious. Um, and now, you know, hey, good for you, Jets. Um <laughs> it's too much fun. We we are we are getting after it. We, I've got a couple quick rapid fire things I want to talk about, and then we can get the hell out of here. The, the this COVID uh podcast has been a struggle for me i appreciate you hanging in with me uh it's literally like my brain is floating in like formaldehyde or something like that it's really really difficult but there's a couple of players i am excited about even though i can't pronounce their names uh number number one is pat fryermuth i mean i've been kind of all over pat fryermuth i've got him in a bunch of spots uh in dynasty you know the 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 kyle pitts thing sort of created this you know, there's only one tight end in the class and everybody else is shit. And I think if there wasn't uh, Kyle Pitts in the class this past year, I think Fryermuth would have been a borderline first round pick. Like late, he'd have been thrown into that like, because uh, you're always looking like, who's the number one tight end? Well, let's move him up. You know, I think he'd have been moved up into that like Jalen Waddle to Terrace Marshall Michael uh, Carter area, you know, in that sort of early second. And in a lot of cases, he was available in the third round. And so he would go way late and it was just like an easy, like, you know, prognostication pick. You just grab him. And if he turns out great, if not, who gives a shit? But he had that sort of elite, uh, you know, uh, tight end uh, prototype. And sure enough, he's uh, he's turning out. What do you think of your boy, Pat Frymuth? Uh, f- me and Friar Tuck, we're, we're forming a bond right now because it's, it's nice to see him actually get thrown into where he's needed because then you can see how he actually performs. And, and that's a great situation. And we see that with both of these guys. We saw it with Pitts, too, where he's definitely <coughs> needed on the Falcons. I'm not putting all of the woes of the Falcons on Kyle Pitts by any means, but it's nice to see uh, a pretty bad offense, in my opinion, with the uh, the Steelers. Utilize him. Utilize him well. 
Yeah. I think you nailed it on the head. I think these guys were closer to Hawkinson and Fant. Yeah. Is that sort of twosome there? Yeah. And people just kind of got a little cloudy with one of them. And so, yeah, Fryermuth is is going to be big time. I think. He's going to be solid, right? And so this is fun. I did my dynasty ranks. I moved him up about as high as I can conceivably move him up. So I'm not going to just tell you where I have him yet because I'm going to just play a little this or that with you because I think it's fun as fuck. People love it. Uh, so we're just going to play tight end in dynasty. Who would you rather have, right? So it's just Fryermuth or, and you got to pick one of these sons of bitches, all right? Some of them would okay. be easy. Ready? So Fryermuth or Hunter Henry? Give me the Muth. Yep. Fryermuth or Higby? Easier. Oh, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Fryermuth or Dalton Schultz? Still Pat. Yep. Fryermuth or Cole Komet? Ah, now we get interesting. I still want to hold out for Cole Komet. And if the goddamn ghost of Jimmy Graham would leave, then... And again, with the naggy thing, it all rolls back to what we were talking about before. I still think Muth by a, by a hair. I agree. Uh, one of my favorites, Fryermuth or Mike Gesicki? I, I I think Mike Gesicki is a little flukier than a lot of people do, so I lean easily on Pat. Me too. I have him way ahead. I just I'm, I'm going out of order because I don't want you to you know be able to tell where I have him uh, because <laughs> I still have him ahead of all these guys so far. Not a single one. Here, here's one that's making a little bit of a of a of a, of a show is Pat Fryermuth or Adam Troutman. Uh, I, Troutman made his case in basically a game this year. Yeah. And that's not enough for me. I agree. So it's Pat. It's by a lot, but it was interesting. I just had to say it. Uh, here's where it starts to get fun. Okay. Fryermuth or Dawson Knox? Muth. Yeah. So I'm with you 100%. So now here's where it's hard to move him up here. So you're going to have – these are so much more difficult. Pat Fryermuth or Noah Fant? I will lean Noah Fant in the assumption they're getting a better quarterback. Yeah, that's kind of where I have it too. I have him right there. So, but here's so then it's like Goddard, Goddard, sorry, Goddard or Fryermuth. Yeah, I'll take Fryermuth actually. Hmm, interesting over, over him. Okay, Mark Andrews. No, yeah, no, yeah, can't right. get him up that far. That's what I'm saying. It's like there's a point where you're just like, so he's right there, at like tight end eight or nine. I think is easily without question. So if you can still convince someone that he's not. And that they're going to trade him in that sort of, you know, twelve to fifteen range of value. I think you're doing really well because I think he's proven he's a proven concept. I think he's just part of that top eight, basically. That you know, it's like Pitts, Waller, Kelsey, Hawkinson, Kittle, Andrews, and then it's like Fant, Goddard, Frymuth, those three guys. And then, like you say, there's a bunch of good players, uh, but none of them are anywhere close to being even with Frymuth. So I think he's easily in that top eight. Uh, tight end. So pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's tough because sometimes you say things on <laughs> Twitter, for example, or in your hand, you go, yeah, this guy's, it, it, he can't possibly be a top seven or he definitely is until you actually get down to the nitty gritty of it. You don't really know. And so I actually appreciate that exercise. Yeah. That's why I do it. You know, because a lot of times you're like, wait, he's my tight end seven. <laughs> like, you, like you just do that shit to yourself. You're like, Oh shit. Like I didn't realize, you know, because rankings are hard because if you, if, if, unless you start over, they're already set. So you have to change them and people are always reticent to change, which is why people don't have JT as the RB one because well, 
CMC is my RB1, and I'm not ready to change him from that. It's like, no, no, no. If you were doing it right the fuck now, and I gave you first pick, you'd take JT. You would take fucking, right. you know, do you know what I mean? Like, that's how you have yep. to do it, you know? Uh, another guy that I thought looked really good and and even looked good uh, this week when uh, Damian Harris came back is, is, a, is a show favorite, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, Ramondre, what do you think about old boy Ramondre? I'm gonna I'm gonna rely on an old narrative, but it's still the Belichick backfield, and it's one game, and he looked great with Damian Harris back. Damian Harris still looked good himself. Yes, sir. So I don't want to write him off coming off of that one game abs. He looked good himself. So it's still a Belichick backfield, and I'm still not overly investing in any of those guys. Don't blame you. That's very smart. However, I think there was something like the 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 New England Patriots running back. Uh, if it was one player, would be the RB1? Oh, sure. I buy that nine times out of nine. <laughs> but the question I, I is, you don't get a roster, both of those guys. Or no, you yeah. can, yes. but, but they're taking up two spots. That's right. That's right. No, no. And and it's Bolden has had like a three-touchdown game or something. J.J. Right. Taylor had a two-touchdown game. I mean, you know, there's... There's other guys in there that you're right that get that sort of take. James White was there for a hot minute until he hurt himself. So, yeah, yeah the, the, it's combining all of the running backs that were there. But uh, I, I guess what I'm getting at is there's every year we do that thing where we say, yeah, the, and it's true they're they're mercurial, but they still score points. And and if you can find them in the in the in, in your lineup in the right weeks, you can do okay. So I just think Ramondre looked really good too. Um, you know. Uh, again, I bring up Felix Sharp again just because he's one of the guys I really listen to, especially when it comes to college scouting. You know, had him on the show early in the in the years, just after the um, after the season when we could start talking about prospects pretty heavily. And he brought up Ramondre. Um, I, I'm trying to remember all my Ramondre uh, people. Uh, Wilsey, I think, was in there. Um, uh, you know, all these people, Trav, everybody was like super, in, oh, me, you know, uh, Mathic, everybody was into this Ramondre situation. We were just all, all about Ramondre early in the process. And I got super excited and, and then my Patriots get him and he looks really good. So for whatever reason, I think he could be a buy low. Some people thinking like you're thinking and, and you can't overexpand. I, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, and, and there's always going to be a reasonable price yeah. for these guys. There's something to be said for having a guy like that, even if you don't intend him to be your RB2, where, hey, here's a guy on my bench that if I do plug him in in the right week and I just have to have somebody in there, there's a good chance or at least a reasonable chance that he will deliver. So that's cool with me too. Yeah, and uh, so the next guy is is breaking out and breaking out in a big way, and that's Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore just absolutely popping off the screen even in that shitty Jets offense with shitty quarterbacking and uh, what, what, what's it, Joe Flaccid uh, throwing the football? My Every time I wanted to text my Baltimore Ravens fans, uh, my friends, you know, I'd always go to say Joe Flacco and it would spell correct to Flaccid. And I was like, perfect. I'm sending that fucking text just as is. The iPhone knows what I want. Joe Flaccid it is, that motherfucker. But um, Joe Flaccid was even making Elijah Moore look good. Uh, Elijah Moore, not flaccid. No, and, and Joe was making him look better. <laughs> he was making him look better, the best that he's looked all year. I mean, in the stat sheet, at least. My concern is what happens when Zach Wilson comes back, because he hasn't looked dominant with Zach Wilson ever, outside of maybe a half of a game. So uh, do I trust that Wilson will do the same for him? No. So yeah. I do need to see that one game back here. The 
issue is like I'm gonna have to get him before that game if I really want him. Yeah. So you know, it still might be worth going going after him. Yeah, you want to play a little this or that with uh, with Elijah Moore. This one, this one is kind of fun. Uh, at some point, we have to move Mr. Elijah Moore up. I, I was going to do that this weekend. Haven't yet moved him up. He is. Don't look at my ranking on Elijah Moore. It's incorrect. But if I look at uh, some people in in the ballpark of where he should be ranked, how about this? I mean, this one seems easy now. Elijah Moore or Rondale Moore. Uh, I loved Rondale Moore, but I will say, yeah, Elijah Moore looks much more complete. He does look more complete, although you could make the argument Rondale just got, what, he got 11 targets or some stupid shit like that, but tied and tethered to Kyler Murray and that that offense and all the rest of it. I mean, there's a case to be made, but I agree with you. I think it's Elijah Moore. Uh, Elijah Moore or Chase Claypool? Ooh, I will go with Claypool. I still want to believe. I want to believe in Claypool, and Ben will be replaced. <laughs> and then I think that there's a better situation for him there. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree. It's very, very close. I think that's really close. Because if it's Elijah Moore or Michael Pittman, it's definitely Pittman. If it's Elijah Moore or Mike Williams, what do you think of that one? Elijah Moore. You know, fooled me. I got fooled by Mike Williams and his blow up early start to the uh, the season. He had his his return in like the last two minutes of the last game yeah. here this week. But it's Elijah Moore. Here's a good one: Elijah Moore or Jalen Waddle. Waddle, yeah. I love Waddle. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. Tiniest pat on the back ever, but I did say like he's my guy. I think for all the wide receivers, just for this year, and luckily he's delivered on that. He he's good. delivered. So Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman? That's tough. It That's tough. really tough, man. Right on uh, the line there, huh? I love I love Bateman, and, and I do believe that the Ravens' offense has taken an actual step forward in them being more well-rounded, where they're going to let Lamar throw more. So I do think Bateman. I do too, but it's super close. Here's a here's a fun one. Uh, I got to talking to Polly Sleepers and Tommy Moe and. You know, you know how people will send you the, you know, the trades back and forth. Well, Polly was talking to me about a trade, and then he goes, "Yeah," and, a, and that Judy Waddle trade. He goes, "You need to do blah blah blah," and I was like, "That wasn't me." And it turned out it was Tommy. He just forgot, and he was claimed to be stoned. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, in any event, it brought up a, a pretty interesting dichotomy, which is Jerry Judy or Jalen Waddle in Dynasty. Uh, with the resignings here. I, of Cortland Sutton, of Tim Patrick, I'm going to take, oh man, I'm going to take Waddle. It's close, huh? Yeah. They're, they're yeah. very, very close, I think. Um, so while we're at it, Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy? <laughs> Jesus. So hard, right? Uh, pass. Yeah. Honestly, it's so hard. Like I'm I'm a, I'm yeah, I don't know. that one's so tough for me because I'm Cause such Sutton, a huge Sutton, Sutton fan. Is, yeah, Sutton I do feel is a little bit more touchdown dependent though, yeah. don't you think? Well, which is sure. an okay thing because he's a much better red zone guy than Jerry Judy is, and I think ever will be. But Jerry Judy, I do think is between the 20s gonna get you a lot more points. So I don't know, man. Let's wait and see who the quarterback is, I suppose. Yeah, honestly. Honestly. But there we are. So I think I think uh, uh, Elijah Moore has sort of knocked his way into that area. And someone who Elijah Moore kind of reminds me of from last year who has fallen down but is getting back up is Brandon Ayuk. Um, 
are, are you feeling like Ayuk is back? And did you did you buy any sort of shares while Ayuk was down, or were you like, oh god, don't let me touch that? That's the sickness. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I, I was such a big Debo guy coming into the year, anyhow. That uh, not that I thought Ayuk would be worthless. Yeah. It's certainly not. But like, it's still. I still think this is Debo's show. And then George Kittle gets to make all these wonderful guest appearances, and Ayuk yeah. is going to be the guy, kind of on the outside looking in. Well, everybody knows I love Debo. Debo's been my guy for a long time. But hey, man, th- th- this has been an amazing show. I, you carried me. Uh, Bill Burr was here for a little bit, I think. I'm not sure. I don't remember, man. I'm in a fog. You were you That's were, a fever dream. Yeah, fever <laughs> dream. <laughs> exactly. Uh, look, you were awesome, and I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, maybe next year I can have you on when I'm when I'm coherent. I think that'd be fun. Um, but I really enjoy having you on. I really enjoy. Uh, having you as someone that I can talk to. I really enjoy having uh, having you on Twitter. You're fun to, to interact with and to follow on Twitter. Even when you subtweet me, I love it. Uh, I, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you subtweeted me this week when uh, when I was uh, pulling out these JT receipts and like I was just I was just throwing JT fire everywhere. And then you're like, isn't it awful when the Twitterverse comes out and said, I don't remember what you said, but it was something to the effect that guys just tell you, you were stupid not to draft him. And I was like, wait, I think he's talking about me, but I still fucking liked it because you were right. I think I, I eventually on a long enough timeline, I subtweet everybody. Yeah. So I think there's a good chance that happened. Yeah, I'm definitely subtweeting somebody at all times too. And I have, look, I don't take it seriously. So if you ever want to come after me, I love it. It's all in fun. I like to be called out because, you know, I don't get very much, very much stuff wrong. So when I get some stuff wrong, it needs to be thrown back. Uh, I'm all there it is. See, now that you said that, now I'm going to have to go ahead and dig through. Please. I'll I'll find a way. Please. (laughs) Uh, I love it. I think it's a, I I love it. You know, look, you know, people get very personal sometimes, which I find, you know, hilarious. You and I don't do that. It's not about that. It's about the takes. It's about fun. We're on fucking Twitter after all, you know, so right. right? You know, so in those spaces, it should be all like just stupid and I'm into it. I love it. So I love the tweet. I was going to get in there and, 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 and wrestle with you, but I was like, ah, no, no, I'm not, you know, I don't want to ruin his buzz. He's having a good one. So you still have time. You still have time. You want to go back to the tweet. You're fine. Yeah. No, (laughs) I, I love the tweet though. It was fun. So that's the type of stuff I enjoy. So you can, you, you can get this and more by following Jake at Jake Trowbridge. That's the ad. That's it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's simple. It's concise. It's perfect. Jake, tell the people a little bit about what you're, what you're happy you're, you're doing right now, where they can find you and where they can hear some more of your awesome content, please. I'm just happy people care to tune in at all, if I'm being honest. Uh, you know, I'm floating around on Twitter, like you say, at Jake Trowbridge, because I'm bored a lot. So I'm on Twitter a lot. Uh, I'm doing the podcast, drinking, talking fantasy football, ball blast. Car- uh, Chris Harris has been kind enough to let me do his DFS segment. Uh, every week so check you know check those out if you want i'm not forcing you to yeah don't i mean you can't force people it's you know that's not that's not nice don't do that but i'm forcing you guys to go check out jake trowbridge because he's a lot of fun and uh you know uh, he does voices too i don't know if you noticed but it's uh it's a thing he does i mean nobody you'd know but he does voices in any event signing out baby thank you so much for for joining so on behalf of everybody here at the undrafted on behalf of everybody here at the Undropples, on behalf of the greatest producer this world has ever known, the infamous Michael P. Duncan, 
On behalf of Jake Trowbridge, I am Jax Falcone, and we are out.